Welcome to Let's Normalize It Entrepreneurship, a podcast about normalizing the highs and especially the lows of running an independent business. Whether you're just starting out or have been in it for years, this podcast will help you feel understood and less alone on this journey. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Crystal Johnston. She is the owner of Wildflower Business Solutions, which is a company that helps small business owners do their bookkeeping, do HR, what other kind of things do you do? Um, Pretty much we cover all the solutions. So everything from helping with profit and losses and day-to-day bookkeeping to helping getting your taxes ready for your accountant. We're essentially your business partner that you don't have to give half your profit to. Perfect. You're my bookkeeper. It's amazing. I just send her things and she sends me back everything I need for my taxes. It's easy peasy. I love it. Um, So I'm so excited that you are my first guest. You're one of like my best business friends. We live close together. We talk about all the things business. (laughs) And you are one of the first people who I had a conversation with that I was like, hey, this needs to be something that we talk about more often. And it's what birthed this podcast was just talking about like, how lonely it is to be a business owner and how Instagram makes it look like this magical, easy experience where everyone's making six figures. And we are like, that's not what it's like. (laughs) It would just be nice to like have these real honest conversations with other business owners, because even I find with ourselves within our own small groups, never mind like on Instagram, but we often don't sit down with each other and talk about like, oh, I cried for 24 hours because my program (laughs) didn't sell as many as I wanted or things like that. Or like, I stayed up till 4am working on this thing or whatever it is that comes with business. So you were one of the people who first was like, got me into the mindset of being like, hey, we have to have to do something about this. If I keep looking down, it's just because I have my my notes here. Um, So one thing that I think is super interesting for business owners, now it's like being a business owner is just like so common. A lot of people are doing it, but when we were growing up, it wasn't like we, we grew up in small towns. So there was lots of the mom and pop shops or someone owned the local home hardware. Um, So it was, it was a bit more normal, but it wasn't like every house on the block had a business being run out of it. So did you have any ideas before you started your business, what it would look like any kind of beliefs that are now like misconceptions or maybe they were correct. Like what did you believe being a business owner would look like before you started? So I was very fortunate to grow up. Um, My dad is a farmer. So anyone who knows anything about farming knows that that is a thankless job where you work countless hours and mother nature can just take all your hard work away in the blink of an eye. So I knew it was going to be hard. And my mom uh, owned an auto body shop for 34 years. And if you were a woman in the automotive trade 30 years ago, you knew like 
there were times that guys would make passes at my mom and she'd have to kick them out of her shop because having a woman in that industry was like not heard of. And they started, when they started their business, they had nothing. Like they took a hundred dollars a month in a paycheck. And my mom on like week two or three of their business, they bought it in the fall. It was a really cold winter. She was sliding her chair across the floor and she fell through and was like on the dirt. Oh my gosh. Like they, it was hard and they had nothing. And so I knew it was going to be hard, but because I'm me, I assumed that I could make it faster. I was like, okay, like it was long ago. That's like 30 years, like with technology and social media. And like, I've got all this experience. I will get my business making a hundred thousand dollars in like six months. I got this. Okay. That did not happen. (laughs) Did not happen. I legitimately, I think that was the biggest misconception for me. I really thought that if I worked super hard and I put my whole heart into it, I would just make money. Like it, it won't be that hard. It'll just, I'll manifest it. It'll just appear. I'll try really hard. And that is not the case. Like we are two years into our business and we are not turning a profit yet. Mm -hmm. Like it, it takes hard work. Yes. But there's so much more to it than just that. And that was a huge thing for me. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, And that I think is a huge part. Like you said, you've owned this business for two years that's a huge part of what we see online is everyone's like, Oh, I started, you know, selling these lipsticks and I'm making like six figures already, or I I made $10,000 last week. And we just start to think like, Oh, that's doable. That's normal. And like, yes, you want to believe in yourself. You want to believe that it's doable, but knowing that it's not for every one person doing that, there's like 50 people who aren't doing it. Yeah. Like really buying into that overnight success. Like I can have an overnight success if I try like that overnight success. It pretty much, in my opinion, it doesn't exist. Even those people that have what they call the overnight success, they put in 20 years of failures, AKA learning curves to get where they are. Mm-hmm. They just didn't wake up at 18 be like, I'm going to open a business and overnight are a millionaire. That does not happen. And if it did, it came with a lot of privilege. Like it's not that simple. Yes, exactly. Like I saw an ad for some business coaching program that was about e-commerce and it was like, Kylie Jenner is the youngest self-made millionaire and she did it by using e-commerce and social media. I was like, and already being a millionaire and already being famous and already having 17 siblings who are also famous and having a manager who's her mom. I was like, no, it's not that easy. <laughs> like, no, and that's, that's what you and I were talking about before all of this is the privilege of, um, I think we got started by saying like, when people are asked like, oh, how, how do you have a successful business? And they're like, well, I just work really hard. And then everyone who's listening is like, cool, fuck me then. Like, you're either like, oh, I'm not working hard enough when you're already working like 17 hours a day. Or you're like, oh, I'm working my ass off and it's still not working. There must be something wrong with me. When really what's wrong is the story that's being told because those people aren't mentioning like, hey, one, I'm white. Hey, two, my parents loaned me $10,000 to get started or like my 
dad owned this building and I had it rent free for the first five years or people don't ever talk about like the hand they got in helping them move forward. And it could be something so simple as your husband having a steady income. I could never Me, pursue, right? Like I could never pursue what I do if my husband wasn't bringing in steady income. I couldn't, I had a photography studio that made no money half of its life, right? Like if I didn't have that husband making sure our bills were paid and we had benefits, we would, there's no way I could have pursued all the crazy things I've done. There's no way. Exactly. And it's the same for me. If my partner didn't have a steady job, he's a truck driver where we know our bills are going to be paid every month. I would have to go back to serving. Like I would have to do something that's not that like actually has a paycheck coming in that I know I can put towards my family. Yeah. It's a huge, like, I couldn't imagine, especially right now in the current way that things have been, but I couldn't imagine being a single mom. That's a hairdresser, right. That's been shut down, has a rent to pay at the like salon plus her home bills. Like I am so grateful and very privileged to lead the life I lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Preach. Preach mm -hmm. that. Yeah. We all have everyone listening probably has something in their life as a business owner that is making it a little bit easier for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is completely okay. It's just that it's something that we need to make public and we need to have it be part of the conversation because by excluding that, we're creating the loneliness, we're creating the separation, we're creating the misunderstanding by covering up the parts of our story that maybe we're not so proud of. And there's nothing to be ashamed about that you had a helping hand. That's, that was your gift and we should be grateful for those things. Oh, for sure. Like my mom is my business partner and um, on paper, she gets paid. In reality, my mom's not making a whole lot of income at the moment, right? I need her help to grow my business, but my mom and dad are far more established and don't have a mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. So we have this understanding that if there's money and I need it, then it goes towards my paycheck and she just kind of hangs tight. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that our business would be around at all, A, without my mom or B, without my mom not taking a paycheck. <laughs> Yes. And I think that is super on the nose for a lot of people who have a business that's more tangible. Like there's different kinds of businesses. Like maybe you sell a physical product or you sell a service where you actually have to trade the hours of your day for money. And then there's having like an e-course where you can sell a thousand of them and not make, and not spend any more time. Um, so I think for people who have who do services or have a product, a lot of them do get free or low cost help from family members or friends. Um, and we think like, oh, look, they have like employees. And it's like, no, my mom just comes in on her days off to help me do this because there's 90 hours of work and I'm only one person. 
And at some point I need to sleep. I know we, there's this unwritten rule in society that busy is like a badge of honor. You don't need sleep. Mm -hmm. You don't need exercise. You don't need to eat right. But when you own a business, you will realize that the better you take care of yourself, the better your business will be. Yeah. I just had that realization. I knew, I knew that already, but I do a lot of one-on-one work where it's my time is traded for money. And I just had this moment the other day where I was like, what if I got sick and just like, couldn't work for like, not seriously sick, just got a a cold and couldn't work for a week and had to cancel a bunch of tarot card readings or, you know, things like that. Whereas it's like, oh, I need to vary the streams of income here because I am only one person. No one else can replace me in this role. Yeah, it's my mom, because my mom is my business partner, um, we are very conscious of how we structure our books. They're all the same. My mom could pick up any one of my clients' books and she could do them and vice versa, I could pick up hers. And we designed it that way for two reasons. One, up until COVID, my mom and dad would go away to Australia for six weeks to two months every year. And so I had to cover her clients. And two, if uh, something ever happened or Brayden and I wanted to actually go on holidays and leave the province (laughs) um, and like I had clients that were GST due or payroll, or I wanted to make sure that I still had that freedom to leave without leaving my clients hanging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there a part of your business specifically that you really love? And then like just being a business owner in general, that like, what's your favorite part of your specific business and like just generally owning a business? Oh, this one is so easy for me. My favorite part of my biz owning my own business is my clients. I love my clients. The majority of my clients, um, I've got to become really good friends with, we'll go for coffee. Like I've got some clients that are like family. I'm very choosy, um, with who I do business. I'm exchanging part of my life to spend time with your business and help your business succeed. I need to work for somebody who appreciates what I do and what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So I won't with, I won't just work with anybody. Um, because I value my time and I value the services that I provide. So my favorite part, hands down, is my clients. I love them. They're like family. Um, I've got to become really great friends with lots of them. Um, if I'm ever in a bind or need anything, I can pick up the phone. They know my life. Like if school's canceled, I don't even need to justify it. I just kind of like, they canceled school. And they're like, yeah, no worries. We get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite part about owning a business is that right there is like when school is canceled, when my kids are sick, when other things come up, all of those things, um, that freedom to not have to call in to work and feel guilty about it. That's a huge deal. Like mom guilt is something else and having the ability to just message my clients be like, Hey, school's closed today. Can't make it. They're like, yeah, not a problem. Stay safe. That's it. I don't feel guilty. I don't need to justify it. I don't need to make it up. As long as they get their stuff done, everyone is happy. Yeah, exactly. And do you have any parts of both specifically your business and entrepreneurship in general that's your least favorite part? Um, my least favorite part is the constant struggle. Like Um, do I have enough money in my account to pay myself this week? Did I get my hours in? Did I forget any of my clients? Did I get back to everybody? The constant 
I call it a struggle for lack of a better word, but that trying to make sure I have all those balls in the air and everyone is taken care of and they're getting the best version of me is hard. Sometimes it's like flawless. And I'm like, I got my shit together. And other weeks, it's like that email has been sitting there for two weeks. Like, I really need to address that. I'm a bit of a procrastinator. And being a procrastinator and a business owner is like the perfect <laughs> storm to not get back to people. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to another question. Um, I was going to ask it later on, but it's fitting in really well right here. Do you outsource anything? Because as a business owner... And if anyone's listening, who's maybe really new to business or just like has an idea and hasn't actually started yet, like you don't just do tarot card readings or selling purses <laughs> or accounting, you do 9,000 other things. You do everything. So do you personally outsource anything in your business? Okay. So I learned this the hard way as pretty much everything that happens when you own a business. So I, before I started this, I had a photography studio and I did cake smashes. So for a first birthday, I would make the cake, design the setup, create the backdrop, drop, sew the outfit for them to wear. I would do all the cleanup. I would do the whole thing from start to finish. And it was frustrating because I'm not a cake decorator. I am not a sewer. I do not make backdrops. Like that is not my specialty. And so one day I called the bakery in town and they will make a cake however I want it with whatever design on it for $12, $12. By the time I buy the cake mix, make it, get the icing, put a, I have wasted way more time than that. Mm-hmm. So that was the deciding factor for me. And now I look at the whole picture like, yeah, if I, I could keep that money in my pocket or for $12, I can pick the cake up and still make the money. Mm-hmm. I started to outsource the outfits. So now in this business, when I, when it came time for me to have a website, I was like, well, I could do it myself. Or I called a friend and she made it for me for under $600 which sounds like a lot of money, but if I bill $50 an hour, there's no way I'm going to be able to make my webpage look exactly how I want it for $600 worth of my time. There's no way. I can't even learn the platform in that length of time, let alone get the image I have in my head onto the screen. So one of the things that, and it's one of the ways I sell my business is, um, so I've got a client, he's a machinist. He's worth $90 an hour. He was giving up his evenings with his family to do his bookkeeping and it was costing it. They were, he was fighting at home. He was never around. He had lots of stress around it. And I said, okay, well, I, I can come in. I can do your whole month's worth of books in six hours. And he's, well, I can't afford you. And I was like, okay, but those six hours, you're worth 90. You pay me 50. Mm-hmm. You're still making money by letting me help you. And he was like, whoa, when you look at it like that, and I was like, right, you can pay me to do the job that I'm efficient at. So you can do the job you're efficient at. Everybody wins. So yes, I do outsource. I don't outsource a lot just because I don't do a lot. I outsource my website, um, outsource my accounting. Um, and there are other things that um, I outsource, um, not so much on like a, like monthly basis or anything, but there's just certain things when I'm over my head, I pick up the phone. I don't have the pride that says you have to do everything anymore. I just pick up the phone and ask for help. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I had the same or similar conversation with my partner a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, I can't wait till I can afford to have someone come and clean the house. And yes. Like, like, why don't you just clean the house? I'm like, because I would rather work on my work that I love for an hour and pay someone who it is then their job and they are then making money and I am supporting a community member to come yes. do the thing that they do because sometimes I like cleaning, but sometimes I really don't want to clean. And P.S. You don't know how messy I am when you're not home. <laughs> <laughs> we have that conversation too. I don't even so much want a cleaner to like do the like the big things. It's the little things like wash the walls. Have you, have you tried washing the floor with three kids? Like, <laughs> don't waste your time. And then I find I'm giving up my entire weekend to clean the house when I want to spend it with my family because I work all week. Exactly. Right. It's a housekeeper is a prime example of a small price to pay for way more freedom than that money is worth. Mm -hmm. And didn't we all start our business? Number one, because we wanted to help people. Number two, because we want freedom. Yet you learn pretty quickly that <laughs> running a business, the freedom is in that you get to make the decisions. No one's telling you what to do, but you also don't trade eight hours of work for thirteen seventy-five an hour or whatever, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you mentioned right back at the beginning you mentioned um learning curves and then you mentioned that you used to own a photography business so can you tell us part about your journey as a business owner because talking about um overnight successes i think every business owner has tried at least one or two things <laughs> before their thing came, became successful, if not more. Um, so can you tell us about your journey, what these learning curves were and kind of how they led you to where you are now? Yeah. So, okay. So as I'd mentioned, I grew up on a farm. So I actually started my very first business when I was 11 years old. My dad used to keep pigs all the time and he'd recently gotten out of them. And so my brother and I, so I'm like 11 and he's, I don't know, nine or 10 or something. We decide we're going to get pigs. So we get four of them. We like make a little fence. My dad rigs up an old uh, baby carriage so we can get the feed out there. <sighs> And we sold them, all of them. So in the next year we got, I don't know, eight of them maybe, and then 14. And then the next year we got 50. <laughs> so when you grow your operation at that level, when, so at that point it would have been like 14 maybe, um, you really learn like, okay, it's easy to sell 10 pigs. Selling 50 pigs is not so easy. And you don't have that much freezer room to just keep them. So that was kind of when my journey started. And then I sold Mary Kay for a while and dabbled in a few bazillion other things. Um, but about six, seven years ago, I really got into photography. And um, shortly after we got married, we bought a new house, but we weren't done renovating our old house. So we decided to rent it. And after a couple really bad rent experiences, my husband in passing said something like, well, if we're just going to lose money, you might as well use it as your studio. And I was like, yes you're brilliant and he's like that's not what i meant that's not what i meant that's not what i meant like, i'm sorry that's not what i meant so then i took it and i converted it to a photography studio i had one of the bedrooms i'd used i uh, rented out to a hairdresser 
-hmm. and the upstairs I had a nail tech and I did all sorts of photography in there. Um, boudoir, Christmas minis, weddings. I kind of did everything and I loved it. And while I was doing that, I also had went to work for my mom at our auto body shop. And we were, um, I was going to buy the business with my cousins and we kind of had everything figured out. We'd actually met with a mediator, paid all this money and had a plan. And then, I don't know, two weeks probably before the sale was finalized, my uncle, who is my mom's business partner, and I had a bit of a fight. And I decided at that point, I was like nine months pregnant at this point with my third one. And I decided at that point that I was not going to spend the rest of my life justifying my worth to somebody who already thinks I'm worthless. Mm. I'm like, I'm not, I'm Say not doing again. this. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not like, he didn't see the point of like in his mind, I should be worth like minimum wage. And that was it. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I am not spending the next 30 years of my life working for somebody who does not appreciate what I do, <laughs> which is one of the building blocks of my business now. Um, so at that, so I sold my studio so we could buy the business. So I shut down photography. I was like, okay, that part of my life is closed. I'm just going to dabble in it on the side. And I'm going to buy this auto body shop. And then everything fell through. I made a rash decision that day. I said some very choice words. I followed my maternity leave and I walked away. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. This is not, I'm not doing this anymore. While we were doing that, we were also were trying to buy a house. And so we'd put a crazy amount of money, like $20,000 down on it. And we tried to figure out how we were going to do it. And the house was double what our mortgage is here. And so we're trying to figure out what we were going to do with it. So had the baby, had Christmas, come January. I still don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I now have no photography studio. I have no auto body shop. I currently have no job. I have three kids under the age of four and we have $20,000 down on a house that we cannot afford to buy. There's just, we, there's no way I've ran the numbers. There's no way we can afford it. So we pick up the phone and we call them and we tell them that we're out. So they ever so nicely kept the $20,000, which was in their right, but I just couldn't believe they did it. Yeah. And like the icing on the cake at that point, I was like, who does that? Like, yeah, I get it. Right. But you had, you just had a baby. You have three kids. Like you're you also living in a small town. So it's not like these are like investors who you've never met before like it's a small town we met at their house for coffee on more than one occasion before we bought their house mm -hmm. or we're going to buy their house so at this point I don't know it's probably like February March I'm starting to get panicked because my mat leave is going to run out um and so I'm looking at all my options and I was like you know I could go to Brandon and get a job, which is like a half hour drive. But by the time I pay for daycare, if I found daycare, like logistically, I wasn't even making any money at that point. I was like, okay, well, that's not gonna work. And I'd been working for myself for so long that having to like clock in and clock out, like killed a bit, bit of my soul. Um, and then my cousin had a business and um, he needed some help with his bookkeeping. And I was like, I'll come give you a hand. He's like, no, no, I'll figure it out. I was like, no, just let me come help you. But I can't afford to pay you. And uh, I was on mat leave, so I couldn't get paid. So <laughs> I went over and started helping him. And then he told somebody and then they told somebody. And then it dawned on me that um, I know what I want to do. I wanted, I decided then that I wanted to help small businesses with business solutions. There's so many moving pieces to having a business that 
as you, as we said, you can't wear all of those hats. And sometimes it's better to outsource the things that people find very overwhelming, which is bookkeeping, the government, taxes, all of those things are very intimidating and big. And it's a really easy to just drop your shoebox off on my doorstep and I will just take care of it for you. You will get it all filed, all of your documents for your accountant, and you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of how the business got started and my crazy journey to where I am now. I love that. And I love how what you're doing now happened naturally because you're an intuitive person, like you follow your gut. And instead of trying to force it, be like, I have to get a job, I have to do something, I have to come up with a solution, the solution came to you. Because I met you around that time. You were still pregnant or had... I think you yeah. were still pregnant when we I met. I think so too. Yeah. Maybe with my second one. I think it was, it was I don't even remember. Yeah. Must've. It was, it I had been Kira. like four years ago. Yeah. I had Kira when you helped me with my coaching and that like changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of got me to where I am now. But it just like, even knowing you throwing all of this, I didn't, I was just like, oh yeah, Crystal does this kind of stuff. This is, this is just who she is. This just makes sense. You know, it was just like, oh yeah, you told me. And I was like, yeah, of course you're doing that. Of course you are. And you love to connect people. You're like, I know a guy who does this and you (laughs) need that. So you call this person and you do that with our friends as well. You're like, you would love this person. You're a connector. It's what you do naturally. So it makes sense that that is also part of what you do for your business. Yeah, connecting small, like friends too, but connecting small businesses, like I'm such a local supporter. As I was like getting dressed today, I was like, oh, these earrings are from someone local and my coffee cup and my ring. And, you know, I was like, everything I wear. I was like, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is to have honest conversations about the thing that no one wants to talk about. And I think the thing that people lie about the most, which is <laughs> money. I like, sorry, some of you guys on social media, I just don't believe you. I just don't believe those numbers <laughs> or, and I think this is so important is the big difference between gross profit and net profit. Like, yes, because you made six figures doesn't mean you're taking home six figures. Um, So you already mentioned that you've had your business for two years. It's not profitable yet, which is normal. It's so natural. And I think that's one of the things we need to talk about. Like I have never had a profitable month in my business in any shape or form of business that I've had, whether it's tarot card reading or health coaching or yoga teaching. I might have when I was a yoga teacher because expenses were really low. Um, but not to a point where I was like, oh, sweet, taking home, taking home a paycheck this month. It's like, no, any extra money I have is like going to pay off that expense from three months ago. Um, yep. So with money in your business, Um, is there anything that you spent money on in any past version of your business or 
now in this current one where you looking back, you were like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I still had that $500. Like that did not work out how I thought it would. Um, so in this business, I've been pretty cautious of how I spend money just because I know what I'm making in a month and I know that my expenses are higher. So I'm very conscious in this business. But when I started selling um, Mary Kay, I had my like upline or leader or whatever. She, um, I'm going to say convinced because I feel like it went against my intuition, um, me to spend $3,000 on product. And I didn't have $3,000. And I... So I started that business when I was like 19 years old. And when I moved 10 years later, I threw out some of that product that I still had. Mm. And that was a big deciding factor for me to not go into the inventory um, product sales. Like if you want to do product and that's your jam and you want to have a storefront, like all the power to you. I just, at that point, decided to have that much money sitting there. And like, I didn't have that money. I had to take a loan out from the credit union. And like, it was only $3,000, but that was $3,000 I didn't have. Yeah. And I never sold that product to get that money back ever. The gar it went to the dump. Like I literally, I probably sold, I probably threw $1,500 of it away. Mm -hmm. So when it came back, that was a hard lesson, but now with what I do, I don't carry things like the, the mo most amount of like product inventory I have are plastic file boxes. As you can see, I have a collection of them, <laughs> um, but come year end, half my clients need them. I buy them when they're on sale and it just saves everybody money. So, mm -hmm. so going into expenses, what are the biggest expenses that you have in your business now and don't I don't necessarily mean like most expensive but things that just you know take up space all my money and, yeah <laughs> uh that one's super easy uh the majority of my income goes towards paying myself the one advantage that my mom had when she started her business is that she was single she lived at home and she had no bills like her parents helped her get where she is, right? Privilege. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't. I have three kids. I have bills. We recently renovated our house. So I need to take X amount of dollars out of my business so I can afford to live. And I don't lead an extravagant life and I'm not taking home six figures or anything crazy. I just take out of my business what I need to survive, which is great, except for this past year when everything shut down, my husband was unemployed. So that number I needed to take out to survive got a little higher, which meant our expenses because payroll is an expense got higher. So the majority of my money goes to that and mileage because we live in the middle of nowhere. I think it's very important to, um, not, I don't know, penalize businesses for being a business in the rule. So I don't charge mileage unless it's over a 45 minute drive. And I know classifying things by a 45 minute drive is probably against a million other things, but that's literally how I do it. If you're over 45 minutes, I charge you. And if you're under 45 minutes, I just feel like that's a cost of business, mm -hmm. um, which is totally fine. Except for my mileage at the end of like for my last year was $14,000. That's a big chunk of change. But I think that's why people choose you because you're so we for anyone who's listening, we live in rural Manitoba. So you're a rural person, you grew up on a farm, 
you love small towns, you're not going to move to the city just to be closer to more clients and your business owners or the businesses that hire you are the same. They have the restaurant in the town of 1200 people. <laughs> they run the home hardware. They have the coffee shop in the small town. They're small town people. And that culture of your authenticity is what sets you apart from the bookkeepers who have lived in their city the, their entire life and just look at profits and want you to not hire that teenager from next door to wash dishes because you know whatever like yeah you get your clientele you can sit down and have coffee with them you can sit down and have a conversation with them and to you they're humans not just numbers in a book yeah i and i mean when i look at it i know that like that's a huge expense but to me offering that service is what it's what gets me my clients and what's it's what makes my business my love is because I can do those things for all of those clients. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned COVID came, your husband lost his job. Did COVID affect your business or the way that you run it or anything like that in any other ways? Yeah, it definitely did. So when COVID first came, the government shut down a lot of businesses. I would say a third to a half of my clients got shut down directly. Like I do a lot of work for hairdressers and nail techs and all of those home businesses. And the government was like, nope, you're done. And so not only did that affect my clients, um, but it also affected my billable hours, right? Like I charge based on hours. And so if you're not doing any work, I have no work to do. Therefore I have no income. So compared to my last year's, because numbers are my jam, compared to last year, my sales were down over $10,000 and I got more clients this year. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and that's another thing. So because my business is smaller, not smaller, because my business is rural, I understand that there's a lot of factors. So like right now, for example, my accounts receivable as in people that owe me money is over $16,000. That's a lot of money. That would make a huge difference if it was in my bank account mm -hmm. and not in theirs. But I also understand that with COVID and Christmas and like it has not been a normal year. And when the government came up with that $40,000 funding, my mom and I were able to apply, which is one of the reasons our business is afloat. Um, and so because I got that, I was able to tell my clients like, it's okay if it takes a little longer. Like mm -hmm. I get it. I've been there. I know what it's like to have no money in your bank account. And so that $40,000 gave us the luxury of being able to give our clients a little bit more time because of COVID. Oh, bless you. You're an angel human. <laughs> I just know what it's like to struggle. And if I have that money sitting there, I don't want to have to make one of my clients not be able to buy groceries because she felt she had to pay me. Mm -hmm. That's and not that's what it's about. That I, thankfully, I think one of the big lessons from this year has been that people who don't own small businesses have become more appreciative of what it takes to run a small business. They're like, oh, when I just come look at the items in your store and don't buy anything and then go buy it at Walmart because it's cheaper. 
you literally can't feed your family. Like, yeah. Oh, gotcha. I got, I got how that works. Yeah. It's huge. And thankfully for the majority of my clients that have been able to remain open in some capacity, their sales are the same, if not more. So the local support is there, mm -hmm. which makes my heart so happy. It makes me really happy as well. I've had more business in the last six months than I've ever had as well. Um, so it's nice to see that people are, and I like, I sell tarot card readings. I understand that they're a luxury item. Um, so it's nice to see that people are spending to keep the small businesses and the local entrepreneurs able to keep going because if we're not able to do our business, that means we have to go find jobs somewhere else and our business just completely disappears. Yeah. And along with all of the things that your business brings to that community. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not uncommon for me to have clients or used to have clients come to town and then stop at the bakery on the way out or get groceries or stop at the home hardware. Right. Like yeah. there's so much more to it than just, oh, you have a business like there's some what is that number like for every dollar spent at a small business, like 96 cents or something goes back into your community. Mm -hmm, something like and, that, for, yeah. and for every dollar spent at Walmart, it's like seven or 14 or something like if that doesn't tell you how much. Yes, it may be more money to support that local business, but it's staying there. They're not sending it to another country. They're not putting it offshore. Like it's staying there. Exactly. So how do your family and your friends support you and do they support you? Do you have anyone who's like, thinks you're off your rocker or is just like kind of a negative Nancy? Um. I've gotten really good at um, knowing who I can share my business with, mm -hmm. not in the sense of like, hey, I'm Wildflower Business Solutions, come use my services, but in the sense of like, hey, this was a really big win and this was a really big loss. And I, yeah. I'm very choosy with who I let into that circle because I don't need you to tell me if I work harder, I'll get success. I need you to be like, okay, we had a real shit year. Let's reevaluate. Let's see what we can come up with. Are there other services you can offer? Is next year just going to be better because hopefully it won't be this year? Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm very choosy. And like my grandma's a prime example. Like I love the woman, but I'm like, oh, I got a new client. And she's like, you need more clients? Yes, grandma, I need more clients. <laughs> Is that I got a bad bills, thing? <laughs> I got bills to pay. She's like, oh, you should spend more time with your kids. I love my kids, but they go to daycare for a reason. <laughs> Not everyone in the world is cut out to be a stay-at-home farm wife. And that is super great that that fulfilled my grandma and her life and yeah. daughter, everything she wanted, but that is not mine. Mm -hmm. So yes, I need more clients, grandma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just very conscious. Yeah, like when you were, you know, on mat leave with your third and it's like, okay, I could go get a job. Like I'm having the same thing in my head right now. Cause we live outside the city as well. I'm like, okay, I could go get a job. Like I'd really love to, I decided I'd love to work at the pet store. I'm like, nice. Cats, people bring in their dogs. Every time I go in there, I'm happy, like minimal <laughs> customer interactions, you know, versus when I was a server and it was like an hour. Yep. Um, but there's that okay, what is it going to cost in gas? What is it going to cost in having an extra car? What's it going to cost in taxes? What's it's going to cost in eating out? You know, like there's there so many factors. Yeah. There's an argument for 
yeah, like it's great for one parent to stay home, this and that and this and that. And for some people, that's just not fulfilling. Some people really love their job and would rather work. And for some people, it just doesn't make sense to go out and work. So there's just like, there's so many different factors that when you share owning that, like, oh, I own a business to a person who's never experienced owning a business or people who own a business that's completely different than yours. Mm -hmm. It's like, what, what do you, why, why? (laughs) Like, can't you just be like, oh, that sucks. I'm sorry that happened. Like, here's a glass of wine. But instead they have to be like, well, you should have done this and you should have done that. And Yeah. There's always the people that are like, oh, you should do this. And you're just like, have you ever owned a business? <laughs> no, I just, you know, I like whatever their job may be. I just work at the law office. Super great. You have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> you don't get a say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm very conscious of who I share my wins and my losses with. It's the same with social media. I'm very conscious of who I follow. Like if you look at my social media, I do not follow any other bookkeeping businesses. I don't. Mm -hmm. I, in the beginning I did. And then I always felt like I wasn't posting enough or I didn't have the right things to post, or I was always playing that comparison game. And that is a rabbit hole that mentally I cannot go down. It's really easy to compare yourself to people's highlights reels. You don't know if they've like failed for the last 10 years or if they're still failing and just not telling you. Because nobody wants to post (laughs) like, like, yeah, we all post about our highlight reels and there is problems with that. And that's why I started this podcast so we can get to the truth of the things, but I'm still not going to be posting (laughs) about me crying for three days because I didn't sell enough seats at my last launch or whatever, or the once a month when I get my period and I decide I'm going (laughs) to give up everything I've ever done because I'm the biggest failure to ever face this planet. You know, like I'm still not going to post those things. I'm not either. I finished my year end, realized how much money I did not make. And then I just went and had a drink in the bathtub at like two o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, okay, is this even worth it? Is this what I want to do? And then you question every single thing in your life. Everything. You're like, I wasted the last 10 years of my life. (laughs) Everybody hates me. I'm the biggest loser. They're all talking crap about me, but I'm not there. Right. And I'm not posting that a like huge imposter syndrome. Like you should run your business like this, even though I don't make any money, but this is how you should do it. Like I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point. I think about that a lot too, because I do give people some business advice. I, or like, I don't read my own tarot cards very often, or like you have an accountant, you know, we often don't do our own work for ourselves. Okay. Can we talk about what I personally think is the biggest lie in entrepreneurship? And if you disagree with me, if you're listening to this, like, let's talk about it on Instagram. The saying, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I think it should be changed to do what you love and you take the thing that you love and you make it work. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing tarot card readings. I love connecting with people. Do I really want to get off my couch at 8 PM to do a zoom call? I don't love it, but I do it because someone like you has kids and can't hop on a zoom call (laughs) till after dinner, you know, like I love it, but it's not 
the same as just doing what you do for recreational purposes. I agree. And that illusion that everyone is chasing, like, oh my God, if you love it, you'll never, no, uh-uh. There's days I get giant boxes of receipts dropped off and I'm like, oh my God, why do I do this? What mm-hmm. was I thinking? Like I've sat on my floor before with a glass of wine and sticky notes for every month for two years worth that I got in a giant banker box and a Lisenza bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I, there are times that I don't love what I do either. But I do love when I get to look at that business. Like I've got a client now and we're going on their third year of business. And um, even during the pandemic, their sales are up. And every month she's like, should we even still do it? I'm like, your sales are up $25,000. So yes, yes, you should keep doing this. There's no way. And I'm like, the numbers don't lie, sister. Your (laughs) business is growing. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Like I love to be the cheerleader. That's like, "Mm -mm, these numbers don't lie. You're headed in the right direction. Mm Mm-hmm. There's just so much more to it than just do what you love. Like, it's not that simple. Yeah. Like every morning for the last three days, I had this conversation with myself where I'm like, do not open your email until you feel good. Because if you have an email from CRA saying that you have to repay CERB because they just excuse my language, fucked every business owner up the ass last week by making them repay with two weeks notice because every entrepreneur has $13,000 just hanging out. I'm like, don't, don't open your email until you feel good. I don't think I'll get affected because I did work, but like the stories I've read of people just being like, Hey, you owe us $13,000. Okay, bye. Oh, if you don't pay us, like, we're going to fine you because that's going to make things better. Because everybody can just make more money in a pandemic when they shut their businesses down. Yeah, like, um, we love business owners. They make our world go round. And you still need to pay us taxes, but you can't sell anything. But you need to keep giving us money. It's like, um pardon wait what like you told me last week you were like if you would have told me in january that the government was going to close law-abiding tax-paying businesses i would have told you you were losing your mind right there's no way you'd be like not a chance the government doesn't have that kind of authority and now they've done it twice yeah not once twice Mm -hmm. And right before Christmas, like it is not uncommon for my hairdressing clients to easily do $5,000 in a month, easily. And that money has to last them till March. Mm -hmm. Like those businesses that have brought in all of that inventory for Christmas. And now the government's like, oh, sorry, hold on. Can't do that. And like the majority of the small businesses that I deal with don't have a really good website you can order online from. If they even have a website, they only have one phone line, maybe only one freaking employee. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, oh, you can shop online and do curbside pickup. Okay. How's that going to work? I live in a town of 300 people. Like now I'm driving to the city three days a week to do deliveries. The people are coming here. I don't want to actually like have people come in my house because I have four kids and you don't like, you know, right. Like logistically they just didn't. And I mean, this is my own take on it, but I just feel like once again, big businesses have the upper hand and the small guys are getting screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you. And if businesses 
go out of business, hundreds of thousands people are going to have to go find jobs somewhere else. There's already businesses closing. Yeah. Like, I mean, party professionals and Brandon, for example, they've been around for 10 years mm -hmm. and that was just 10 years since those owners had it. I used to work for the people that had it before them back in one of my many jobs. I, you know, (laughs) worked the roulette table at the Christmas parties. (laughs) Um, but that business has been around for, I don't know how many years and they sold out and closed their doors. Mm -hmm. Like that's a direct relation to the decisions that are being made around small businesses in COVID. Mm-hmm. They would still be here a hundred percent for sure had this not shook out like it did. Yeah. And when a business, a small business closes, that's, it's not just someone losing their job. It's someone losing their dreams. It's someone losing their retirement fund. It's someone losing the business that they were going to pass down to their kids. It's a family legacy that's being closed. It's like, and that business tears and nights being kept awake. Business, totally. And that business was owned by a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not that simple. Yeah. And it, um, I find it very disheartening that, um, they can make decisions and then be like, Oh, but you don't qualify for any funding. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I can't be open because of your rules. So, you know, I don't know. It's and then I, if you take the funding, they're like, "Oh, you're freeloading," and it's like, "Right, right." Oh, I can't go to work. What am I supposed to just go get a job at Walmart just because they're the only thing that's open now? Like, you think yeah. you're hiring? Think anybody is hiring? Mm-hmm. And like, imagine being a business right now that had set things up for this to. 2020 to be their retirement and they're out right like you own a restaurant you got a sale coming down the pipe 2020 hits now your restaurant is worth nothing yeah and you don't have a retirement like is it going to come back is it not going to come back were you retiring because you were ready or because of health concerns like Mm -hmm. there's just so many moving pieces and i feel like so many decisions are made without taking into effect all of those moving parts yeah i 100 percent agree with you I didn't intend to get political, but we can't. I didn't either, but it it is what it is. It is like at this time with, and like, no, I'm not even gonna go there. We're, we're gonna change the subject. Back on topic. (laughs) Not necessarily to anything positive, but um, I would like to know, and you feel free to get as deep into this as you'd like or not at all. You can just be like, yes, and then we can move on. Um, but I'd like to know about times when you felt like giving up on your business. We talked about the bathtub and the glass of wine at two in the afternoon. Like, what are those times like? Like, what happened? Um, or any time that you felt like, oh, that was, that was a hit. Like, how are we going to bounce back from that? Okay. So, uh, every time I do my, okay. So how my business is structured is at the end of the month, I take my handy little paper calendar 
and um, go through it, tally up all of my hours, and then I invoice them out. And because I know, so my break even point, let's say is 35 hours a week. And I know I'm not putting in 35 hours a week because I either don't have clients or it doesn't work or lots of my clients are quarterly. So quarterly, I'll have big months. Like um, October will be a really big month because everyone's GSTs do. But November and like December, I just coast because January, I'm going to get slammed. Mm -hmm. Right. So like I today just did my invoicing for the previous month because I didn't want to do it because I knew that I didn't make enough hours to actually make money. So every I'm getting worse. I'm trying to get better. I used to do it on the first of every month. Like, yep, we're going to do my billing. We're done. And now because I feel, because I know what numbers I need to hit, right? I've been in business two years now. I know what my expenses look like. I know what I'm looking for. Um, like I did my billing for the last month. I need, so between my mom and I, we need like 250 hours to break even, like making, like to pay my payroll, to pay my mom's, to pay our taxes. I need 250 hours. I build 84. Mm-hmm. Those are the days that I'm like, why do I do this? Right? Like, I know looking at that, that if I take 84 hours at my hourly rate, I lost money. I know that. And so I'm like, why do I do this? And then I had a client pop in. So before this call, I was, um, I went for a run and I had a client pop in and he literally just sat in my garage and talked to me while I went for a run on my treadmill about like business and plans. And he leaves and like that friendship, I wouldn't have if I didn't have this business right? That's why I do this. Mm -hmm. And like, I do genuinely feel like one day, hopefully in the very near future, my business will be turning a profit. And I believe that everything I give out will come back to me. I believe that that's how it works. Um, But so when I, those are the days I want to give up is when Mm -hmm. I look and I'm like, there's no way, like I'm not. And then if I take that 200 hours I need to make and I break that down per week and then per day, I'm like, oh my God, I need to be billing this much an hour. And then I like have a panic attack. Cause I'm like, there's <laughs> no way I'm not, I can't give up all that time. My drive time takes up two hours. I've got clients that are over two hours away. Mm-hmm. Like that's four hours right out of that day. I don't get back. So to try to set myself these like number goals, in a world that numbers don't work Mm -hmm. is really difficult for me. So I finished my year end, uh, my year end is the end of October. So I finished my year end, had a, you know, panic attack in the bathtub with my glass of wine while I contemplated all of my life decisions and decided that I'm not going to give up for multiple reasons. One, I have far too much invested at this point. Two, the connections I've made and the people I've met like my life wouldn't be what it is today without those. I'm grateful for all the setbacks that led me to be here. Um, so I'm not going to give up. So instead I'm just going to pivot. So I'm offering new services. I have a huge launch coming up. I'm not sure when we're listening to this podcast, but if it's January, hopefully (laughs) I did my launch and everything worked out super good. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I've got to, I'm changing how I do my business to help ensure that I get to lead the life I love. I think that's one of the big lessons from COVID. There's been like 7,000. <laughs> one of the big ones um, is that as independent business owners, we need multiple streams of income 
A hundred percent. Now that they have the power to just be like, hey, in two days, you're closed. Done. Um, they ha- they, I personally believe it will happen again in some other type of way. Once you give them the power to do that, they're not going to do like, oh, no, we're never doing that again. Um, or, and you just don't know, like, what if... Costco opens up in Brandon and all of a sudden your mini mart has to compete with Costco. You know, we just, it's owning a business. There's just so many factors that affect you. What if you, like I said, what if you get sick? What if you catch the flu? What if your house burns down? You know, like there's so many things that affect running a business. We need to have multiple streams of income that work in different ways. If you're selling a product, you need to have an e-course or an ebook. Or if you're selling your time per hour, then you need to package that in some sort of way where you can rely on it. You know, we need to like relying on just one thing I think is too risky. I a hundred percent agree. That is a huge takeaway. And the other thing that I have found very inspiring with COVID is how quick businesses adapted. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, not a problem. We will do like, um, there's businesses that you can like pick up a raw burger and take it home and cook it. Mm -hmm. Like there a year ago, no restaurant in Canada would have given you a raw burger to take home and cook. Like you're not taking my stuff. And now we're like, Hey, you want to have a date night at home? Here you go. Here's the candles. Here's the playlist. Like here's, the here's your wine. Talk. Yeah. You know, like with that part of it is because it happened on a mass scale. I a hundred percent agree. When I was, when I started my virtual yoga studio two years ago, I had to piece together information from all over the internet and be like, how am I going to do this? And it changed like three times as I started getting better and learning new things And then when COVID shut, every yoga teacher was online in three days. And I was like, damn, some of them are doing this way better than I did. (laughs) Also looking at this in the States, because they have, um, what's that money transfer thing that they have? Venmo? Like people are just like, Venmo me $5. And I'm like, here you have e-transfers and PayPal's, but you can't e-transfer to someone who's not in Canada. And it's just like, it seemed a lot easier for them because they just had access to more technology in the States. But yeah, seeing restaurants pivot because it happened on such a huge scale. It was like, oh, they're doing that. That looks like a good idea. We should try that too. And it happened so abruptly. Like all of a sudden it was like, okay, we're good. We're going to make our marks. Like it's middle of March. We're good. We're on, like got everything lined up for the end of the month. And then all of a sudden it was like, done, no more. That's it. Close the doors. And everyone was like, what just happened? You know, like it was a massive, massive adjustment. And there are still people who want to spend their money local and keep it. So to have the businesses like adapt, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'm changing my business too. Like COVID had a massive impact. Traveling to other communities is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Like I was supposed to go to my clients that's two hours away at the beginning of the month. And because of code red, they're just like, I'm not real comfortable with this. And I was like, we can reschedule. hmm right? But that's income I'm not getting now because of COVID. Yeah. Right. So being able to, 
I learned um, online QuickBooks to be able to offer a more remote option. I now have a remote option where I can remote into your computer. I've got some clients that mail me all their receipts and I just do it all like on the computer with the paper still. I have drop points to meet people in parking lots and we like throw stuff across. People <laughs> leave things on my step, right? Like we've taken all of the precautions we need to, but still tried to keep everybody functioning right? You got to adapt. Mm. It is what it is. We can't control it at this point. So got to make it work. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that shows how much community there is of being able to be like, I'm willing to adjust this for you, but adjust in a different way for this customer and your clients are adjusting to fit your needs as well. And we're sharing ideas with each other. Like when all the yoga teachers were going online, I was messaging people. I was like, Hey, I've been doing this for a while. If you have any questions, just ask me, you know, yeah. like if you, yeah. cause it's, and it's more than just technology. It's how do you get lighting? How do you use the sound? How do you set up your camera? How do you know how big the file's going to be? I, all those things are technology related, but you know, like we became a lot more willing to share our information with each other and looked at our competitors now as our community rather than someone we're fighting against. It's like, Hey, we all need to like band together to lift each other up, or there's not going to be anything left for any of us. I a hundred percent agree. I find it ironic that it takes a pandemic where you can't see each other to create a massive sense of community. Like, was it, Easter, I think when we were in lockdown and like everyone was painting Easter eggs on their windows and like our town had an Easter egg hunt and you could go around and try to find all the Easter eggs. Oh, that's cute. You know, like there was this sense of community, like, Hey, I'll grab your groceries, you know, like mm -hmm. that wasn't there before. And it's ironic to me that in lockdown, when you weren't supposed to see anybody, we had the biggest sense of community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the really beautiful things that have come out of this. Hmm. So pivoting just a little bit in business and personal life, how do you feel that like how your relationship with your partner and your kids are is as a business owner, maybe like versus when you were just like working for someone else or like how does business leak into one-on-one -on -one time, things like that? Um, so I would love to tell you that it doesn't because that would be the perfect answer, but that's a lie. And that's not realistic <laughs> at all. Um, I am, I'm kind of a time snob. Um, I it's no, I'm pretty much a time snob. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that like my kids aren't involved in a lot of the things. Um, I'm very conscious of who I spend my time with and how I spend my time. Like I don't hang out with those friends anymore that make me feel like I'm not good enough or make me question myself. I just don't do it. I don't pretend I'm going to show up. I just don't do it. And so when I first started my business, I can remember that my husband and I were laying in bed one night and I got talking about a client and he like lost his shit. He's like, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night. The last thing I care about is what your client is doing and what they're. And I was like, okay, like I hear you. Um, so now I don't, I don't talk about work in the bedroom. I don't, when we're having like, um, one-on-one -on -one time, I'm very conscious to like not have my phone on me. Um, one of the things that I've structured my business around is being reachable. 
if my clients need something, they can message me or call me or Facebook or Instagram. Like you can get a hold of me in a million different ways. And I always want to be there for my clients because I know what it's like when you own a business and you're trying to fill out a government form and you don't know the answer and it's going to time out on you in two and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if it's a simple question and I know the answer. So I try to be um, very conscious of my time and like I very diligently try not to work on the weekends. Um, however, when the kids are in bed or if they're napping and my husband is busy, I'm going to end up working on the weekend. Um, it, since having a family, I'm way more conscious and I don't know if I was so much before my kids started school, but my oldest is in grade one now. So I drop her off at my mother-in-law's at eight o'clock in the morning and she gets brought back shortly after five 36 o'clock, depending on where I am on the road. Um, by the time we have supper, the kids go to bed. So if I don't make an effort to see them on the weekend, I won't see them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I get them up in the morning. I feed them, I feed them breakfast. I like yell at them to get out the door. And then I pick them up and I'm trying to make supper and get them to bed and get them bath and read their books and do their homework. So if I don't make a conscious effort to not work on the weekend, I won't get to see my kids. You know, like you just, you go through life and all of a sudden your daughter's six years old and you're like, we didn't do anything. Like I was every year for Christmas, I make a calendar for like my grandparents and stuff. I'm like going through trying to find pictures on my phone. And I'm like, we didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, like we camped because I was working away. So we took the camp. My husband was unemployed. So we took the camper and camped at a few different places, but like, they're not calendar worthy memories, you know, like there is, we didn't, we didn't go to the zoo. We didn't, um, go see my brother. We didn't travel. We didn't go and see my family in Alberta. Like those things didn't happen. And so it, when I am reevaluating my plan for like 2021, that's one of the things I want to add in there. And one of the reasons that I can't wait to afford a house cleaner, um, <laughs> is I want to be more conscious of how we're spending our time, especially on the weekends, because it's just in a blink of an eye, it's gone. And you can get so wrapped up in thinking that if you work harder or if you give up your time, or if you're busy all the time, like it'll come, success will happen, but that's not real life. Mm -hmm. You give that all up and you may get ahead, but you may not. And at the end of the day, my mom and dad have this thing on their wall. At the end of the day, it won't matter what car you drove, what house you lived in, how much money you had in your bank account. What's going to matter is the impact you had on your family. Mm -hmm. And that is something I've never forgotten. And now that my kids are getting older and starting like school and things are getting busier and I know there'll be sports. I mean, this year we didn't for multiple reasons, but like those precious moments when we get to be a family, they're, they're gonna they're going to have to be way more intentional or they won't happen. Mm -hmm. And do you ever have a struggle of between like, well, I need to make more money and I need to spend more time with my family. Like, how is that going to happen? I'm only one person. Cue the wine drinking and wanting to quit every day. <laughs> That's where that falls in. I'm like, okay, so I really need to be there for my kids for this but I have two billable hours today. So that's not paying my bills. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the answer is. And I don't believe in balance. I think that balance is an illusion created by people that want to keep you on the hamster wheel. 
Um, I think that um, everything has seasons. So in January, I know that I'm going to be very busy. I know I'm going to end up working evenings and I know I'm going to work some weekends because of tax deadlines and deadlines in general. And so I know in January, my priority, unfortunately, will be my clients. That's how it has to be. But I know in March, when things have slowed down, my priority can shift back to my family because I'm waiting. There's that lull at the end of the quarter when I'm waiting for everybody to get me their stuff in April. Mm -hmm. So we could schedule things and do things in that window because that's kind of how things work for me. So I don't chase this unattainable balance. I just believe that everything has seasons. And in some seasons, my business needs to be my priority. In other seasons, it needs to be my husband or my family or my kids or my extended family. Like things are going to come up. And if like a loved one got sick, I want to know that I could shift those around so that they could be my priority. Mm -hmm. And so I think this illusion of balance is just that it's an illusion. There's some seasons where things are going to happen and you're going to have to pivot and shift. And that's just the way it is. I love that idea of seasons. I definitely think of that balance, the way we're, we're sold it is very much based on like a capitalist society where you work Monday to Friday nine to five, and then you have weekends to do this and evenings to do that. But it's no soul. Yeah, exactly. Um, as soon as you have, even if you work shift work, or if you have a business, or if you're a person who menstruates, all of a sudden your energy's changing every single day for 28 days and then goes around again. Or if you <laughs> are um, a person who's very attuned into the energy that's going on around them, then that shifts. Like right now, a lot of the people who are very feeling very spiritual. We're recording this on December 8th. So it's like right before you know, a lot of astrological events. So a lot of people who are tuned into that are like, why am I sleeping 19 hours a day? Like I have end of the year deadlines to reach, but I can't get my bed off the couch and I've just eaten chocolate <laughs> cake for every meal. It's like, it's all in the seasons for sure. Um, I love that because there's no such thing as like, oh, you're able to do it all. Like, I think that's, I know that's, everyone knows that's bullshit. I hope like you can't, I do too. You can't do it all. Like, I think you no. can do it all, but not all at the same time. You know, I agree. like I agree. we're setting ourselves up to retire once my stepson's like, you know, 18, 19, 20, like that's our dream to be able to retire then. And I'm always like, and then we can move into an RV and we can drive east and then we can come back here for the summer and then we can drive west and then come and we'll just drive back and forth and we'll have the house Love for it. the summer, you know? And it's like, yeah. we're not taking the big crazy vacations now, one, because we can't, but two, because our life will be a vacation when we're able to retire. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that you were like, oh, I hope she really asked me this question. I really want to tell people my opinion on that. Or you want to tell us about yourself or anything that's coming up for you? Uh, no, I think the biggest takeaway that I hope everybody who listens to this takes away is that it's not just a straight line up. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, 
you're going to pivot and things are going to come up and you're going to want to change directions and you're going to want to quit and you're going to want to compare yourself to other people. But at the end of the day, your path is for you. So you need to be very conscious of what you consume because just because they did it one way or that guy did it that way doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. You get to make your own path because mm-hmm. you are here for a reason to change those things. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest lies we've been sold. And I attribute it to the boom of business coaches, because once you Mm. become a business coach, you have to sell a system and a system has to follow an X, Y, Z kind of path. But we are human beings. We're not robots. So something worked for business coach a and didn't work for me so now i think i'm a loser and i think i'm a failure and i can't do anything right when we're just on different paths we have different purposes and different directions to go and that's one of my biggest i think problems maybe with a business coach feels like if you do this you can have six figure income in two weeks okay that's great my town my population of my town is 1500 on fair day yeah like, I'm not sure where all of these people are coming from or all that money. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's not attainable. I'm 100% sure it is. It's just, I'm not will. I guess that's part of it too. I'm not willing to give up all those things to have that. There's things that are more important to me than having money. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to put all the information in the show notes on how you can reach Crystal, her website, her Instagram, any other way she wants you to reach her. And thank you everybody so much for tuning in to this episode of Let's Normalize It Entrepreneurship. And I will see you next time. Bye.